It's Tuesday, March the 17th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, more market mayhem and the EU proposed to close its borders. First, the world in brief. Markets dropped around the world as investors were left unimpressed by credit-easing measures from America and China to reduce the economic impact of the spread of COVID-19. The Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged by 13% and the S&P 500 Index by 12%. Britain's FTSE 100 and the Stocks Europe 600 both fell by around 5%. The price of some safe haven assets, including gold and silver, also fell. The European Commission, the European Union's executive, proposed closing the EU to foreign travellers for 30 days. The Commission's president suggested exceptions for EU citizens and long-time residents, plus British citizens, doctors, diplomats and researchers. Before the closure takes effect, member countries must all agree. Canada closed its borders to all foreign nationals except permanent residents and American citizens. American cities and states introduced restrictions on movement and public activity. Many cities and states, including New York and Los Angeles, closed schools. The counties of California's Bay Area ordered residents to shelter at home. Illinois closed all bars and restaurants for at least two weeks. Washington State, where America's outbreak began, will do the same. Like Connecticut, New Jersey and New York, it will also ban gatherings of more than 50. A Japanese court sentenced Uematsu Satoshi to death by hanging. In 2016, he went on a rampage, stabbing 19 disabled people to death and injuring many others in a care home in which he had previously worked. It was one of Japan's worst mass killings. He believed that for his victims, there was no point in living. France's competition regulator hit Apple with a 1.1 billion euro, 1.2 billion dollar fine, the authority's largest ever, for anti-competitive agreements with two distributors, which were also fined. The ruling found that the tech giant abused the must-have status of its gadgets with resellers. Apple says that the alleged misconduct was nearly a decade ago and plans to appeal against the ruling. Guyana's government and opposition agreed to a full recount of the recent presidential elections to be supervised by the 15-country Caribbean community. Initial announcements proclaimed that President David Granger had been re-elected, leading to protests and escalating violence. The stakes are high with the recent discovery of oil deposits big enough to transform the South American country. And Spain's King Felipe VI renounced all the inheritance he received from his father, the former king Juan Carlos. Juan Carlos was pivotal in the country's transition from autocracy to democracy in the 1970s, but came under criticism for a lavish lifestyle and murky international connections before his abdication in 2014. The former king will also forego an annual allowance of €194,000, $217,000. And now, here's today's agenda. Virtual campaign, real votes. The primary continues. Rallies have become virtual town halls. On Sunday night, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders debated in CNN's studio in Washington without an audience rather than in Arizona before cheering crowds. Welcome to campaigning in an age of contagion. Still, Democrats in three states, Arizona, Florida and Illinois, will stand near each other today in long queues and touch the same screens and door handles to cast their votes. Ohio postponed its vote. 
Mr. Biden holds a sizable polling lead in all four states, especially Florida. It turns out that praising Fidel Castro, as Mr. Sanders has done repeatedly, is a poor electoral strategy for a heavily expatriated Cuban state. Mr. Biden's delegate lead, currently at 151, is likely to grow substantially, making it even harder for his rival to stage a comeback. Mr. Sanders will get a reprieve of sorts next week. Georgia, which Mr. Biden probably would have won, has postponed its primary until mid-May. A crisis on two fronts, Turkey and the refugee crisis. Presidents Recep Tayyip Erdogan of Turkey and Emmanuel Macron of France will hold a video conference today with Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel. Today they are trying to find a solution to the linked problems of the refugee crisis and the conflict in Syria. Turkey has won plaudits for hosting nearly 4 million Syrian refugees. Over the past weeks, however, much of that goodwill has evaporated. In late February, Mr Erdogan's government opened the country's border with Greece to the refugees. Thousands fled west, only to be turned back by Greek border guards. Greece showed it would go to terrible lengths to stop another migrant crisis in Europe. Turkey showed it would gladly provoke one to force Europe into concessions. Turkey wants the EU to contribute more aid to the refugees and also to support its own efforts to back rebel groups in northern Syria. The Europeans are reluctant on both counts. Cordon Sanitaire, the EU's ban on foreigners. The European Union became the latest body to consider a travel ban as the European Commission proposed blocking entry into the Schengen passport-free travel zone to non-EU arrivals. Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the Commission, announced the drastic move to deal with the spread of COVID-19 on Monday afternoon after talks with G7 leaders. If adopted, the ban would last for 30 days and could be extended. Exemptions, however, abound. Long-term residents from outside the bloc will be allowed entry, as will daily cross-border commuters. Healthcare workers, along with those delivering goods, will also be allowed in. For the closures to take effect, all member states must agree. They would also decide on rules for non-EU members of Schengen and Britons, whose country was never in the Schengen zone but is still subject to EU regulations during the post-Brexit transition period until the end of the year. A slim opportunity, Benny Gantz tries to succeed Bibi. The leader of the Israeli opposition, Benny Gantz, is Israel's designated prime minister once again, at least for the next four weeks. After receiving a mandate to form a new government from Israel's president on Sunday, he has a chance to replace the long-serving Benjamin Netanyahu. But for now, it looks a slim one. Despite his having been endorsed by a majority of members of the Israeli parliament, the Jewish nationalist and Arab communist parties are extremely unlikely to sit together in one coalition. Mr. Gantz had a similar chance back in October, but failed to pull it off. Meanwhile, the indefatigable Mr. Netanyahu, spearheading Israel's response to the spread of COVID-19, is demanding that he leads a national emergency government. He has also failed twice in the past year to build a coalition and lacks a majority but he is not letting such details stand in his way. Even in the midst of a pandemic, Israel's political deadlock deepens. Sickly, the virus and America's economy. The economy is facing an unprecedented shock, both to the supply side, as workers are isolated or care for relatives, and to demand, as people stay home and do not spend. 
The Economist is tracking a range of real-time economic indicators to assess the impact as official statistics are published with a long time lag. Electricity demand is falling, a sentiment analysis of Twitter posts indicates that consumer optimism is tanking and food prices are rising as people stockpile tinned tomatoes. As yet, there is little evidence that unemployment is rising, weekly jobless claims continue to decline. In sum, the data do not yet point to a recession, though one is surely coming. Expect a flurry of announcements this week, ranging from extending paid sick leave to looser monetary policy. Policymakers need to turn a severe shock into a more manageable slowdown. Call it flattening the curve. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jean-Jacques Rousseau. What good would it be to possess the whole universe if one were its only survivor? That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.